0: Hello and welcome to our first podcast series, The First Fantasy, a podcast designed to be a shared experience of Final Fantasy VII. Join us as I play through for the first time and Anthony plays not for the first time. We know we reference episode zero here and on Instagram, however it was truly terrible and we were too embarrassed to upload it. So one thing
1: that I want to reiterate as we kick off on the first episode here is that you have absolutely no idea what you're getting into.
0: None. In fact, my notes have a lot of question marks
1: you've never played Final Fantasy nope. you've never seen anything about any Final Fantasy game not just Final Fantasy 7 nope um, and the biggest, biggest preconception you had coming into this was that there was someone called Cloud and someone called Lightning and someone called Lightning is there a movie? yes there is a Final Fantasy movie
0: I haven't seen that either but
1: it's okay you're not really missing very much
0: Controversial.
1: It's not. It's not. It was one of the first kind of CG movies, mm-hmm. um, and it was from a like visual perspective absolutely spectacular, but from a storyline perspective, severely lacking.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Actually,
1: there's two movies. There's a Final Fantasy VII movie as well.
0: Mm. Cool. Maybe we should do a podcast about my first experience watching that after playing the game.
1: It's kind of a direct sequel, so. I'm there's into a lot, it. There's a lot of spin-off games as well. We don't want to get into them.
0: Okay. So the first thing I want to say is I am already so excited about this game, so I don't know why I thought the graphics would be an issue, seeing as I've spent a good deal of time playing Stardew Valley and Moonlighter.
1: Yeah, we didn't really take that into account before we kicked off with this, that you're quite comfortable playing games that don't have sort of AAA graphics.
0: Yeah, I don't know what... It was because I'd just played Red Dead and Breath of the Wild, it made me think that Suddenly, I really cared about the graphics over the story.
1: Uh, and when we sat down to play, we literally like, turned off Breath of the Wild and launched Final Fantasy VII. And it was pr- pretty jarring in terms of not even just the visuals, but the sound. Yeah. But we launched the game. We started it off. We watched that intro movie.
0: Yep. And that intro movie was pretty impressive. I know that the stars were a pretty big deal for Anthony when he first saw it. Well, it just, it just kind of kicks
1: off as your traditional, like, here's a fantasy game, here's some stars, like, humanity's small kind of stuff. But then it transitions really nicely into seeing the flower girl and the sparking electronics, and then you see the dirty city.
0: Anthony called her the flower girl because he knows I have already forgotten her name, despite the fact that we played this about four minutes after filming, or recording the last episode.
1: <laughs> and we sat and went through all of their names Um, in that episode as well.
0: Yeah, that was the point I was making. (laughs) I
1: I misunderstood. I thought you said that you picked up her name when we played, but of course you didn't because we haven't come across her yet. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So actually, a bullet point in my notes is I've already forgotten her name. I'm shit at this.
1: (laughs) No one is going to be angry that you've forgotten her name. Honest, I swear.
0: But I was so impressed with that like pan out to the title screen. Yeah. The way that I'd been thinking it up was it was going to just be blocky and there was going to be nothing really that impressive about it. But that's still a beautiful piece of work.
1: Yeah, and it still stands up 20-odd years later. Um, and I remember my first experiences of it as a kid. Um, the only real games I'd played on the console before this had been, like, Super Mario... Well, Super Mario 64, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Like, I played all of these before I played um, Final Fantasy VII because um, I was very much a Nintendo kid rather than a PlayStation kid. But I still was really blown away by Final Fantasy 7 just because the full motion video I never seen anything like it before and then it transitioned into gameplay at the end of that movie it was just crazy
0: yeah i really liked it it was quite interesting jumping off the train at the beginning and being like so what's going on especially since anthony was so excited about my first ever final fantasy 7 experience that it became Anthony's Final Fantasy VII experience for about 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, um, I, I totally jumped on top of the controls and just played. And I didn't even hang around, I just played. So we ran through like the first couple of battles with no explanations of what was happening. I was just so excited to be playing the game again. Um, but we and, fixed that, yeah. and you played through the rest of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I'm like, um, remember how this is my playthrough? And I have no idea what was going on.
1: And, and that's a really good point to kind of lead on to, because... Playing it again now, for me, I know what's happening here. I know who all the characters are. I know what the background is. I know why this is occurring. But for someone like you playing it for the first time, there's really nothing to hook onto.
0: Absolutely nothing. I didn't know who the bad guys were. I had a big question mark being like, who the hell is Avalanche? Who is Shinra? What is Shinra? What are we doing? Who is Cloud? Why did we have to change his name? Yeah, what is the city floating? Which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to later when they talk about that. I had so many questions and the game right at the beginning doesn't offer you many answers. It
1: really just throws you into the deep end. It, it just has Barrett shouting at you to hurry up. because you newcomer. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which leads to a whole lot of questions about how you've actually ended up there.
1: It's quite a good little, it's a really good first line I think. Because it, it, it gives you a lot of information without giving you any information. As you said, it leads into like, how am I here? Who am I? Um, And then the bit just after that where Barrett asks, well, no, it's not Barrett. I think it's Wedge asks him his name and Mm -hmm. he just replies with just his name and nothing else. And then they try and talk further than that. And they're just like, I don't care who you are. I'm just here for my money.
0: Yeah. So it makes him like a little bit of a mercenary.
1: It definitely builds that mercenary persona of him and and it makes him feel very cold. He's not interested in his comrades-at-arms at all.
0: Yeah. My like big thing was that normally at the start of games, you have a lot of bonding between the characters and a lot of building up of the camaraderie. But my notes in this was like, wow, so everyone is a douche to each other in this game.
1: And, and... I mean,
0: sorry. No, no, go on. I mean, my next note is, wow, so we're going straight into mass homicide. So it kind of sets that tone well.
1: And the mass homicide being a reference to the fact that you then find out they're here to blow up the reactor. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add to the point you... Before we talk about that, just to add to the point you had before that, talking about how like these type of games usually open up with lots of... Character building and storyline—that's especially true in like every Japanese RPG I played before this or after this. You play something like Golden Sun, or I can't think of other examples off the top of my head. But you've got like maybe one or two-hour prologue, or even a Pokémon game. How long are you playing before you actually get to do anything? And this game just throws you straight into it. It's a little bit—it's it's really jarring, and it really jarred you quite heavily.
0: Yeah, definitely did. I was very confused. We played for maybe forty-five minutes. And it's only towards the end of the forty-five minutes that it really started backfilling just a bit. I still don't have most of my questions answered.
1: No, yeah, there's there's not much backstory given even for quite a while.
0: No. So anyway, we go to blow up the reactor and. Barrett becomes part of your party, yeah. And the big note I had about that that was when you need Barrett, he just kind of appears out of your butt, yeah, which just I appreciate.
1: And and you're gonna like it even more because you usually walk around with three people in your party, so they will both merge out of your butt whenever they need to like have a conversation with you.
0: So it was kind of after uh, Barrett becomes part of your party that I did my first battle sequence. And Which was great because I accidentally punched Barrett in the face about three times before I realized what I was supposed to do with the 2D cursor. Yeah, on
1: the 3D, the 3D plane to try and pick your pick your battle target. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't really explaining anything because I kind of wanted to see how you're picking it up.
0: Which was not well.
1: <laughs> but you, you did click with it quite quickly. Um, just speaking about battles, one thing that I, again, kind of missed the first three, to- four times I played for the intro of this game is if you check the names of the enemies that you're fighting here, Especially outside in the station area, they're MPs and they're guard dogs. So it, it's it, there's a lot of like storytelling going on that's not in your face, um, because the people you're fighting aren't expecting someone to come and attack this place. They're just the guards. They're not like soldiers, and I'm using soldiers in lowercase for people who've played the game, um, or like big robots or anything like that. It's just some dudes working the night shift, and then these crazy terrorists show up, and they are terrorists. Let's face it.
0: They're blowing up a reactor. You're a terrorist.
1: Um, Although Barrett does wax lyrical for quite a lot of time about why he thinks this is a good idea.
0: Yeah, so they did the whole, like, the Earth is dying thing, which makes it more of a, like, freedom fighter, pro-Earth movement. However, you're still doing something that's going to murder many people.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you could control the explosion from a reactor in any way to stop it killing people that's and that's, yeah. that's kind of glossed over at least in this part of, of, of the the start of the game
0: so when I continued going on doing the battling one of the things I really liked was the limit break animations mm-hmm. just the animation for those bits were really good I kind of got Dragon Ball Z vibes with Garrett's big flame gun situation
1: it's, going it, on it, it definitely makes the battle stand out a little bit from just kind of like I hit you you hit me especially at the start of the game when you haven't when you got a lot going on um, and yeah, you kind of pick the battles up quite quickly after that, moving forward through the through the reactor,
0: yeah, definitely. so when we got to the reactor, cloud is overcome by this red mist thing that tells him that this is not what he seems, and it's just it's not just a reactor to which I wrote in my notes, why do I have no idea what's going on? what the hell is this red mist thing? I'm so confused
1: and and it, and, and the the really cool thing about that, or interesting about that, is Barrett is kind of just as confused as to why Cloud's wigging out. Um, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't hear what Cloud sees, or Cloud doesn't say it. But there's definitely a moment in the game where Barrett's just like, "Like, do, do you want to plant the bomb? That's what we're here for, right?"
0: Mm-hmm. Um, which and which then is- Cloud is like, "Yeah, alright and doesn't act on a voice from the ether yeah. telling him this is a terrible idea. He
1: kind of just brushes off the voice, voice from his head. Um, and and I also quite like that. Like someone else notices that a character is having a weird moment like that, it's not just kind of like a totally internal. He, he kind of wigs out and you can, he emotes that he's he's not quite right as well. Yeah. Um, and I also just, just like the whole like let's plan a bomb in this reactor. Neither Cloud nor Barrett question it at all.
0: No. Like
1: it just gets done.
0: It kind of doesn't say great things about their character, but also kind of says that they will be good characters to play.
1: Yeah, they're men of action. They get stuff yeah. done. And, and maybe you can infer that you know, like, things are really desperate and that's why they're, they're going to these lengths.
0: Well, if you think about how the city looks right at the beginning, it doesn't look great. No. So you see that pan out from the flower girl, whose name, by the way, I might never remember. And the city doesn't look that exciting. And once you've planted the reactor and you're running about, the city still looks quite abandoned.
1: It's, it's, it's not a nice place to live. And they make no attempts to, to show you that there is another side to it. There's a big building in the middle. There's all these districts out from it and they all look dirty and they all look disgusting. And then you find out later that that's, even, that's supposed to be the nice part of the city. Yeah. Um,
0: so anyway, we plant a reactor and then you have 10 minutes to get out of the reactor building before it blows up. So I stopped to say, Jesse...
1: Before that, though, you fought the boss.
0: Oh, yes, the boss. So, Anthony actually saved me a little bit there and told me that there was a bit of a mistranslation. So, instead of attacking when the tail is up, like it tells you to, you do not attack while the tail is up.
1: And it's quite interesting because they fix a lot of typos in this version of the game that we're playing, but they don't fix that one, which is probably the most (laughs) famous one, um, is is Barrett saying, attack while the tail is up, exclamation mark. It'll counterattack with its tail laser. And it's that exclamation mark that definitely makes it... doesn't read very well. No. Um, I
0: definitely read it as attack while the tail is up. And I did it the first time before Anthony was like, "Um, maybe (laughs) think about doing it a different way. Very diplomatically.
1: and, And then there's the bit after it where Barrett just kind of pulls a gun out of the guts.
0: Yes. I love that whole thing because he then puts the gun on. And I just like this whole image of him ripping his gun off and pulling a gun from the corpse of an enemy... And smashing it on his
1: arm. (laughs) And it just works. Like, he's got all the bits he needs to make it work. It it fits on. He's got the ammo for it.
0: I would actually be super keen to see that as a movie. (laughs) That would be a great scene.
1: What I'm going to do, maybe as a bonus episode, is get... Abby to watch the remake trailer that kind of covers this part of the game because they're going to do it as an episodic game the remake and -hmm. they're turning into like an action game rather than a turn-based strategy game and it kind of covers everything you've just done just this one trailer and we maybe do some reactions to that as well because that will cover stuff like that and I think you might find it I'm really interested what take you take to that (laughs) as well but we'll leave it until we've maybe finished the first chapter of this game
0: yep sounds excellent
1: um so you beat the boss you ripped off its gun and you, you started to get
0: out. Yeah. So you get 10 minutes to get out. I stopped to save Jesse on the way because I am a hero. and I then spent about five of my 10 minutes <laughs> trying to get up that damn stair.
1: Yeah, the, the ladder at the, the end of the section where Jesse is that just nobody can get onto. Um, you had a lot of fun. I think Cloud got shouted out a bit.
0: I don't know if fun is the operative word <laughs> I would have used. Um, I then come out and tell Flower Girl to run.
1: After the... the Reactor explodes at this point. Yes. And we get a nice shot of it exploding across the city. And then you all escape from that fiery room, do the commander rolls and stuff, split up, and then you hit the flower girl.
0: Yes. So I tell her to move and she disappears, but I assume she's going to come back because she showed me a photo of her. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I told you that she was one of the main characters yep
0: and told me her name it was important
1: you didn't You didn't get the opportunity to buy any flowers or anything off her though the dialogue choice you picked kind of just made her get out of there because she thought it was unsafe
0: well to be honest <laughs> Some I just, just set a bomb <laughs>
1: yeah get, telling people to get out of there is probably like a really good idea
0: wasn't really thinking about picking up flowers for mm-hmm. my new girlfriend Jessie
1: <laughs> yeah, Jessie does have the hots for you as you, as you pick up as you go further on oh definitely um, so as you went forward you got attacked by a bunch of soldiers and what was your first decision you made when the soldiers had you cornered on the street
0: to fight them all and
1: then what was your choice when more soldiers appeared and cornered you on the next street to also fight them all and what was your decision on the next corner when they continued to corner you (laughs) to fight them all and then what did you do
0: and then i did that cool sequence where he's a badass and jumps onto the train yeah i would not recommend fighting all the soldiers (laughs) (laughs) although it's not difficult for cloud it was a bit tedious for me
1: it's 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 a point i wanted to make earlier and i missed it so i'm glad we got back onto it all of the enemies in this section of the game, bar the boss, um, the Scorpion Robo dude, whose name I can't remember, were absolutely trivial for Cloud. And Barrett was only doing about half the damage that Cloud was doing. So it definitely says again, it's that kind of. There's a bit of storytelling here that's not like verbalized. It's showing you that Cloud can just walk th- like whatever Cloud's backstory or his history is. He's a bad enough dude that he can he can come <laughs> in here and just just like nothing is. Is an issue for him at all to deal with?
0: I'm glad that we're putting it out there for the whole of the internet. You saying a bad enough dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you jump on the cloud. Um, jump on the cloud. No, yeah. You <laughs> cloud jumps on the train, and then the scene goes into the train where Mr. T slash Barrett, Jesse, Wedge, and Big.
1: That's it. Yeah. Hey? And Wedge and Biggs being, of course, Bigs. in every Final Fantasy game, apart from the ones where they're mispronounced or mistranslated and pretty much guarant- uh, like, confirmed to be a Star Wars reference.
0: So, Mr. T is like, "Grrr!" Cloud didn't come, and he should be here. And then, I think it's Bigsby? Bigs?
1: Bigsby? <laughs> Who's Bigsby? It's Bigs. No, I think it's Wedge, actually. I think it's Wedge that's sort of asking... First of all, he's asking, um, do you think Cloud made it? Or No, what he actually says is it's not very well translated, but from the Japanese, I understand. He's basically like, do you think... Cloud will fight until the end for Avalanche because they're assuming that he's been attacked by the guards. He didn't make the rendezvous on the train, and he's going to die. So Wedge is like, "Do you think he'll fight to the end?" And Barrett's like, "Nah, he's only in it for the money." Mm-hmm. And then Wedge is like, "Oh, about that, what about our pay?" And yeah. I always found that interesting.
0: I was just about to say the same thing because they're freedom fighters, and you already kind of get the drift that Cloud is sort of a mercenary, but the rest of them you f- thought were part of this like freedom cell unit. And normally money is not that big an influence on people who are fighting for those sort of causes. Yeah. But this is obviously a little bit different.
1: And 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 the fact that Wedge asks for money, or Biggs asks for money, really does seem to upset Barrett. Mm-hmm. And
0: I love that. I love Barrett's angry animations. He did it in the elevator right at the beginning where he kind of shakes his arms. And it's very Minecraft ragey, <laughs> which I enjoy. Um. And I think he like slams his gun on a box. Yeah,
1: he's got a few really good animations, and I, and it's something that I'd forgotten. And it's really nice to see that even though these character models are so out of date and they're so blocky and so polygony, they still have a lot of emotive. Um, capability you could really tell the emotions like cloud when he's wigging out you can tell he's in distress or when he's trying to brush something off he's literally brushing off his shoulder or shrugging and yeah barrett's really furious when he's he's emoting his his anger and it's yeah it's really impressive to see something that old still being able to tell you know convey that and another thing that's really good is they couldn't change that for the translation so Mm -hmm. they can change the text boxes but they can't change how any of the characters act so like you know that the emotion that they're Conveying is the the emotion that was in the original script as well,
0: which I like. And then the door opens and Cloud swings in, and then Barrett is like, "Girl, why do you have to make such a scene?"
1: And Cloud's just like, "No big deal." Yeah, he does
0: this big like blocky (laughs) shrug. Yeah, and then. Jessie comes over. Oh, they all leave?
1: Well, Jessie comes over first and she wipes a smudge of dust off his face. Oh yeah,
0: she's like, oh, your face is dirty. Here, let me get it.
1: And that's where she thanks him for saving her inside the reactor as well. To
0: which I've written in my notes, oh my God, Jessie well fancies me.
1: (laughs) She definitely has the hots for clouds at this point.
0: Definitely. So then you go into more of a passenger car.
1: Yep. And everyone, I don't know if you spotted this, um, because I know that Rumble the cat was attacking you. Um, but everyone gets up and leaves the carriage Mm -hmm. except for a couple of vagrants when they come in as though like they're the people that nobody wants to be in the share a train car with.
0: I totally missed that. Thank you for pointing it out. So then Jesse asks Cloud if he wants to go and look at the city maps with her, which is totally A, flirting, (laughs) and a device for the completely oblivious gamer, me, to actually learn a little bit more about where you are. So it shows you a map and it's kind of like, I think Barrett describes it as a fucking pizza. Yeah. It's basically pizza shaped. It's split into eight sections and in section eight, you have just blown up the reactor.
1: I'm I'm not sure if it's sector eight. I can't actually remember which sector it is. I don't think it's eight because you end up in sector seven. And I don't, I think they try to do one on like the other side, as far away from where they are staying as possible. Okay. But I don't think it's actually mentioned what sector they, they destroy at that stage in the game. But yeah, you're you're, you're right. It, it's split into the sections, like you say. Yeah. So I had um, a question
0: about that. Yeah. Which was, is the sections where we are, is it like a floating city? Because I kind of got a little bit of Bioshock Infinite vibes where the rich people were floating above the clouds.
1: Sort of looking down on the people below. Yeah,
0: but I wasn't sure if that was true or not.
1: Well, cloud cloud definitely muddies the water by calling it a floating city. Yeah. But what it really is is um, a city built on pillars. So each of those districts is separated by a big, like a big supporting pillar. Um, and that's how the city is held up. So you've got the city above and then you've got the slums below. And that's where you're heading, down into the undercity mm-hmm. to where the slums are. Because
0: then cloud is like, "Ooh, why does everybody just move up to the rich part?
1: Yeah, and... Um, it, it's like, I've written down in my notes, I, that line, like millennial problems, yeah. in inverted commas. Because <laughs> a... that's
0: basically our life, like, yeah. wow, we can't buy a house because we rent one.
1: <laughs> we, we can feel the, the not, we're not like saying that we feel what the people in the slums feel, <laughs> but we totally get that whole, oh, look at the people living in the nice houses, we, we yeah. can never get that. Um, the other thing I wrote down that I really like is Barrett's line here, mm-hmm. when, when Cloud says that, which is, um, no one lives in the slums because they want to, or they have to. Um, you know, they, it's not a choice people have to live there. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely not a nice part of the city. And if the top half of the city looks that ugly, the slums are going to be bad.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the little details I noticed that I quite enjoyed when they talked about the fake IDs and them blowing up the reactor, in the translation, when Jesse spoke these bits, it said whisper, whisper, and then the bit of text, and then whisper, whisper. Just in case you thought that she was announcing it to the whole train <laughs> that they were the terrorists that had just blown up the reactor, and they were going to get through security with fake IDs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 fun little bits like that. Like I think in Japanese, it's really easy to convey that because you just change the the, the tenses of the word or the, the the way the words are pronounced. But you don't have that in English. You can't. There is no like I'm saying this word quietly unless you actually use an adjective to say that.
0: I think it's italics.
1: Yeah, you could have done it on italics. Yeah. yeah.
0: Look Um, at me just judging decisions.
1: (laughs) Made like 20 years ago by some poor guy having to translate the whole game on his own in like a weekend.
0: Easy. (laughs) Um, So I had a few questions, which was, are we trying to blow the city out of the sky? So when Mm. you get off the train, I think it is, we didn't play much further than that. Barrett says, he talks about the next explosion and how the next explosion will be an even bigger one. Which led me to the conclusion that
1: Are they trying to like knock it off its stilts? Yeah. Yeah. You'll find out. I'm not gonna say anything either way.
0: That's <laughs> but but it's
1: but it's a I think that's a really good um, like line of thought. Especially especially if at that point you thought it was a floating city. Mm-hmm. Cause because 'cause it isn't clear. I mean, it took me a couple of like a little while of playing to really get a good idea of how the city's laid out. And if you think it's a floating city and they've blown up a reactor, mm-hmm. surely those reactors are involved in keeping it up in the air. Um there's definitely a he's definitely got a plan to do a lot of damage um and it looks like a quite a small crew of guys you've got mm-hmm. bigs wedge jesse barrett and cloud and cloud seems to have been brought on probably his muscle
0: yeah and he is literally just arrived
1: yeah he doesn't and he doesn't and he's definitely keeping his distance from the team
0: yeah so we pretty much saved after that
1: yeah we got off got off the train in the sector seven slums and went to the safe point by the support pillar so we haven't actually entered sector seven fully yet no. um, that's going to be our next chapter we're probably going to do definitely like 7th Heaven section 7 slums and then we'll see how far we get after that I don't want to do too much in each, each sit down because yeah. there's a lot of content to take over
0: so we were thinking when we were originally planning this that we would film or we would record sorry a pod roughly every 45 minutes to an hour of gameplay
1: yeah now sorry, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt
0: so it might be that one hour of gameplay, if it's really meaty, might take two episodes. But we are only going to play for an hour or so without stopping. So then we have time to gather our notes, gather our thoughts. And we don't look at each other's notes yeah. before we actually sit down to record this. So each other's reactions are new to us. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. It's interesting, the different things that we've picked up.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm actually picking up more than I thought I would already, even though I've already played it several times just looking at it from like maybe an older perspective or a different perspective and seeing it through your eyes as well um because definitely that whole confusion at the start of the game i never really realized it would be so big but yeah they're throwing words like shinra mako um i don't avalanche they, yeah avalanche soldier because that was we did i did make sure that abby saw that that cloud's name before you name him in the menu is x soldier in all caps mm-hmm. um but yeah, the, the, there's, there's, the next chapter should be really interesting because you're going to get a big info dump.
0: And I have so many questions, so, so I'm excited. excited.
1: And hopefully they'll get answered.
0: Okay, so I'm going to go and play it now.
1: <laughs> and I am want to sit and watch.
0: Great, so thank you for listening, and please be nice to us, internet.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. For updates, follow us on Instagram at WeAreAbbyAndAnthony, on Twitter at AbbyAndAnthony, and if you fancy buying us a coffee at patreon.com slash AbbyAndAnthony.